Where to begin? Well, it's a birthday show, so happy birthday to me. And thank you to all the ladies of the night who have made it a very happy birthday. Uh, by the time you hear this, if you're not here live, then I'll have already celebrated for the weekend, had my big birthday dinner on the server with the girls, saw my movie, and got treated like a king the whole way through. Uh, and I'm just so exceedingly grateful. the love and, and adoration I've already gotten, and all that to come. I want to say I'm grateful, and I don't know how else to be real with you guys, raw with you guys, besides how I am. It doesn't turn on or off. I've got gates, like levels of access at a center, that different people can go in different rooms. But all the rooms are always me. And they're always real. And it's always authentic. Because if you believe as I believe that the only important thing about a person are what they think and what they do with those thoughts, that's it. That's all that matters about someone. Then not being real with them must always come at a must always come at a cost. You're trying to save yourself, or you're trying to really avoid damage, or you're just uncertain, yada, yada, yada. There's got to be a reason. Because to not be real with somebody, that's the only time you have to be real, is with other people and their feelings. And it's really hard. So, as the guy who's just trying to be honest, here's how I'm going to roll into this gratitude speech. I live so much of my life in the shadow of my own shame. And I've been crawling out of it since you've met me as the Grey Knight. And it's really jumped up a lot in this last year. Uh, in June of last year, I began taking a, a medication. Uh, it was a short treatment. I had a treatment. I shouldn't say began taking medication. I had a short treatment of medication. Where after many times the doc said, you're going to feel better after this, I actually did. Almost immediately. And by the end of July into August, as, we, as I began to think about that Christmas ahead, my time of year typically uh, for me to... Let loose and relax and enjoy it. I began to not only look at what I wanted, how to get it, how to ask for it. I asked for a lot of help. I asked for all these things. And it's just, I'm just so grateful. But I had a lot of trouble with it because it really felt like I didn't deserve it. I don't have imposter syndrome anymore. Uh, because you're all here for me. I'm the business, and I'm the name, and I mess up, and you keep coming back. So I I pretty, pretty quickly learned that it can't be imposter syndrome. But my shame makes me say asking for more or celebrating or all that, it's just undeserved. 
You've been too cruel to people. You've been too angry. You've hurt too many. And I still hear that wording in my head now. And I look at how I messed up. I messed up real bad right after New Year's. I was hungover, and I yelled at somebody, and I hurt them. This year, January. And I just... That's just such dumb, awful behavior. And I know saying that out loud doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world, but I just don't want to be it. I don't like that I so often refer to social media, but I'm lonely and alone, so it's what I have. In Bojack Horseman, we find out that Diana, Diane met Bojack at a party once, and she just didn't want to, because she was terrified that that he would think she was stupid, even though it was just from a TV show that she kind of liked a little bit. And that's exactly what happened. And then she felt awful. And that's how I make somebody who's a fan of me feel when I fucking am not good to them. When I, when I, I'm still learning, unfortunately, how to back out of these situations. I promise this is going to get a lot better. This is the, this is the dark and then we rise from here. <clears throat> so celebrating especially for a weekend and being surrounded by love and amazing and beautiful women it's not been easy for me in 2020 it really hasn't and I've made such strides and such progress still. I have forwarded myself in a way that I never thought possible. And I'm starting to put myself out there as the Grey Knight in ways that I kind of never really thought that I would. I seem to be really going for it. I, I still have doubts, but I seem to really, really want success. For the first time in my life. So in a year where I have felt like just a total madman, only to then be validated when I was one of the early screamers in the worst way possible. To then kind of being a little bit shunned for it, I feel like. It's really hard. And there's just all this stuff that I haven't mentioned about. You know, not actually asking for help from other content creators and getting turned down uh, hurts. Uh, stuff in my personal life, Mrs. Kitty got pretty sick. Had to go to the vet. Had to go to the vet a couple times. She's great now. That was hard. Especially since I'm alone. I'd been doing really good with exercising and leaving the house and seeing people. But at one point, COVID just had me so fucking freaked, I literally didn't open my front door for 21 days. For 21 days, I tried to open my front door. It was like I was stuck. The temporary agoraphobia was back. 
three, four weeks. I'm really glad I have enough groceries, right? <laughs> I'm glad that the prepper part of me is ready for periods like that. Even if it is just oatmeal and rice. I promise we're rising from here still. So it's it's been a rough one. And this is if that stuff hits you emotionally, this next part Brace up for it. Take a deep, deep breath, because I'm coming for a gut punch. You were the only good thing about this year. In a year of progress, and a year of trying, and a year of attempting and failing over and over again. In a year where suddenly I have the most viable and stable career of all of my peers and cohorts. <laughs> you know? All this stuff that should sound really, really great. It wasn't. Because that's not what I value in life. At all. I value sitting around and being quiet so much more than money. <laughs> So much more than fame. Sitting around, listening to Spotify. Reading the news. Is the happiest I can be. <sighs> I know, I've tried a lot of fucking things. It's what I like. And so pushing myself. And wanting to, all the time, just wanting to, to commit to more and more and more. It's the only way that I can show you guys affection, real affection or love. Push, pushing through to periods and trying to make things, really make things and refine it. And get better at it as a person and a content creator so you don't have to. Be embarrassed about supporting me. These, this is the only way that I, I have to show you guys love. And I know that's a big word, and I'm a little bit afraid to use it because asymmetrical relationships. But I... My, my, this birthday would have been so dreadful without you guys. And I'm just so grateful for you guys. Because I think about the distance between where I was before you found me on the fucking street and where I am now. Do you realize you healed my back? If you're a newer fan, you probably don't. Do you realize that you Help me lose all that weight that you that you made my voice stronger. Do you really? You taught me to sing. You taught me to be more patient. You've given me a home that I don't 
that I don't have to be worried about. When I leave this house, I don't have visions of it being broken into. It's not in the best neighborhood. Frankly, it's kind of a crappy neighborhood still, but I'm pretty rough and tumble. I don't give a shit about a crappy neighborhood. Because I could find it. I know it took so long to find it, but I found it. Because of you. I was smoking so much weed three years ago, four years ago, because when as soon as I the high wore off, as soon as enough of the CBD and THC left my system, I was in physical pain. I assure you, this last I don't even know how long I've been off it because it's not a tolerance break this time in the same way that it has been in the past. I hadn't fucking noticed shit. I've been exercising. It took me days of sobriety to realize, wait a minute, there's no fucking pain. I can sleep without it now, and I can think without it now, and I can get angry at somebody without losing my shit without it now. But you guys gave me a lot of fucking THC in a real dark time in my life, and I know how silly it may sound that THC and CBD were miracle cures for me, but... I really do think that they were. I think my body was deeply inflamed. I think I was in constant stress. And I think that they helped me. I know all the medicine that you guys bought. I was so excited that I could try and move into this place uh, just because it was $250 less a month of medicine. <laughs> Hey, I get to, I get to, I get to take that money and I get to apply it to living instead of not dying. That's neat. So, there's lots of real medicine, quote unquote, on there too. <sighs> Do you know that you funded all that? Because nobody would ever fucking give me another look before you guys, before I had enough money to just keep coming back and just saying, just do it. Fuck this fucking system. <sighs> the number of times I I use your guys' money just because I had to leverage the dock into, okay, well, will you document that for me, that you're not doing it and why, so I can send it to the next doctor? Because if you say that in America, if you create a paper trail of trouble for somebody, yeah, they might actually bend for you. But it costs money. It's not free to do that. You can't do that at a free clinic. They already know they're going to get reported. <laughs> I got so angry at a fan on Tumblr a little bit back because I said I'm afraid of being homeless again in 2020, even with everything I've got. Somebody said you're going to be great. And when somebody says, oh, you're so smart, it just takes me immediately back to my shitty childhood. And that just being a, you don't do anything wrong is what that really meant. You're too smart is what it really meant. 
A lot of fucking smart people are in their fucking cars at some point in their life in this goddamn country. Some of the most interesting, intelligent people I've ever met. But my reaction to it was so dumb. I'm so much better than that. When I say something withering, I am so much a better person. When I don't say fuck you, but I say something that really makes somebody trip up or blush. I feel that version of me too. I see that version. I know how fucking sexy he is. So trying to balance this all out, it's been hard. It's been a hard fucking year. But it would have been so fucking worthless without you guys. The gifts that you have rained upon me to get me here. I don't think that I deserve them. I don't. But this is something I've discussed over and over again with more than one fucking therapist. And there's only one answer then. There's only one answer if you really feel like you don't deserve something, and you're not going to push it away anymore, then there's only one answer. Isn't there? Isn't there? If you really feel like, I don't deserve all this, and I haven't deserved all this, then there's only one answer if you're going to keep embracing it. If you're going to embrace it more than you ever have before. Do you know it? Do you know what that one answer is? Well, then I guess I have to fucking earn it, don't I? I guess I have to do better. That's the only answer that fucking fits for me. And so I keep applying it. It's a very funny thing. You'll notice in all the movies where there's a scamp who's perhaps got a personality issue or two, but he's the hero we're rooting for anyway, even though he kind of sort of is a bit of a bastard. You know this show and movie. You've seen it before. It's a funny thing about these shows and movies when we're watching these characters that are a bit bastards to people, but we love them and we root for them. That is to say, when they're getting their shit together, it's a real quick fucking montage. It's just a super quick and easy, oh, I realized I'm the problem now. And then dot, da 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 we're in another scene now, and now a third one, and he's making amends, and he's becoming better. Right? In real life, there's a little bit of a transitory phase. In real life... Acknowledging the problem, even if you're paying professionals to help you with it, doesn't just mean it gets solved. It's really strange. I know. But it turns out in real life, if you've had a psychological crutch for decades, and you've used it to survive at points in your life, it doesn't just go away because you see it. Psychological issues are more like ghosts. You'll notice that horror movies now that millennials uh, are behind the camera are fucking dope now. Again, thank Christ. Because they know that the scary isn't the scary. 
the ghost isn't the scary. It's the fact that you can't figure out what that fucking thing is going to do. What's it after? What's it want? Oh, goddamn. Doppelgangers invading your house aren't scary. <laughs> Doppelgangers invading your house and saying, we're Americans, is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but you know it's not good. Oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> I told you we'd go up from here. Referencing the totally under-celebrated Jordan Peele movie, Us. People say it's celebrated enough. It's not. That movie's fucking great. Watch it again. <sighs> I'm trying to say that it's actually kind of hard. And you guys know that you've been so patient with me. But that's my answer. I get depressed sometimes. I need time off sometimes. I want to take much less time off. I like the amount that I'm producing. I want to produce more. I want to sit and listen to Spotify and read the news less. Not because it doesn't make me happy anymore. But because I like ballooning, and I like expanding, I like growing. Learning is supposed to feel uncomfortable, and it does. In the best way. And so I'm just... I've got to take this gratitude, and i got to push it forward. Oh, the number of times that someone has called me Sisyphus. The number of times that someone has told me how futile every part of my existence is. It's gotta be literally in the hundreds, if not over a thousand. The number of people who have taken the time to write me an anon message or say in person, give the fuck up. Who are you kidding? You're never going to be any better than this. And of all the hated messages that I've ever gotten, all the angry, all the weird stuff you get on the internet, uh, that one definitely hurt me the least. That line of argumentation has ever hurt me the least. Because I know that I try. And I know that my life is wild. Wild, do you all believe the stories that I tell you because they're true? About the man selling cars, about the man living out of them, about the man in the various countries, about the past jobs? Wild life. Untethered. Unbound. But my definition of happiness and growing, it's always changed. There were so many years in my life that had no happiness in them at all. That may sound awful, but as I got out of this horrible, depressive, disaffected state that I've been living in, I look back at those years, there's really nothing good. It's day in, day out pain. Every breath. Every breath feels uncomfortable. For years. For years. So thank you. I'm not saved, but you saved me. 
I'm not done, but you fished me out the fucking water. I thrashed. I yelled. I blamed you like a wild animal. I was a wild animal. I just wanted to crawl someplace where the sunlight couldn't reach me and I could just fade away into nothingness for so many years. And when I mess up, I feel that feeling again. It's deep in my core. You messed up, go hide in that fucking dark corner. It's the only good thing you can do. The only good thing you can really do, dude, is not talk to another human being today. Because you are toxic. You are radioactive. You are broken. You are alien. You are a fool. But that voice is so hollow and distant now, it's almost hard to hear it sometimes. Because there is a constant aura of obligation. I know that's a hard word, but I wrote it down twice, so I mean it. Obligation and gratitude. Just being real here. When money's super fucking tight and I can't afford any of the nice things I like, like my I like one fancy thing of nuts a month. One can of fancy nuts per month. Like when I have to like kick the can down the road and say, Well, I'm getting more nuts later because things are tight. I kept Allie's base pay. Kept it 100%. I tried to ratchet it up. It's not, it's not everything I promised her. But I did. Throughout all this fucking rigmarole. And any issue that we've had. And I'm saying that so directly and honestly because a lot of y'all fucking bosses haven't had they. <laughs> There's been a lot of belt tightening and... Uh, some of you have gotten bent over and slapped with it instead of your boss tightening it on themselves. No, you're not the luck. Don't don't say stuff like you know I have to fight stuff like that, Allie, goddammit. <laughs> She's here in person talking. <laughs> I'll fire you later. Say up the straight fucking face. She could probably fire me at this point. She's where the audios come from. I mean, I write them and I produce them, but at this point, I'm so helpless without her that I just like here's an MP3. <laughs> I wasn't as sad today as yesterday. I'm sorry I haven't been able to write for the last two days or get an erection. I just. I read about this Arctic explorer warned about climate change, and then he fell through the ice. And I, I, I have not been aroused for 
I have not been aroused since. (laughs) I say this because I'm living through a time where I'm watching people's values even much more so than normal not match their actions in any way. This is hard for me. I said at the beginning, I think one of the worst things that you can do is be insincere with somebody. And I live in a culture that prizes insincerity. Je suis candide, but I am among the libertines. And it's rough going. A lot of people are just calling people heroes or saying we're raising their pay by $2 an hour before pulling that back but not making any headlines or fucking profits about that. Yeah? And so living in this world where I absolutely am willing to put the fucking... I will... If I tell you I'm aiming my fucking gun in that direction, that is where I will shoot. And I do not understand why the rest of you do not live your lives this way. Because it's a very powerful and good way to live. If you're not going through the motions, if you're never lying, if you're never insincere, you never have to remember who you are. You're just them. (laughs) I'm saying that because, you know, I am this morass. I am this messed up man. I have really shambled and struggled, and my favorite verb for moving that describes me so perfectly, I galoomph through my moral landscape. But I do travel it. I do try and make progress. I do remember that while these bad things about me are true, so are the good because I couldn't have fooled you. I think back to the most fateful day. The most fateful day when I was really going, am I going to do this? Come on, this is too weird even for me. Am I going to do this? (laughs) And then I realized, yeah, I am. I'm going to do this. I think about that day and... The next question was, do I be fucked up me when I'm talking to them outside the fantasies? Or do I do the talk show thing? And I really struggled with this question. I took it to my shrink. I took it to my girlfriend at the time. Both of which were like, gotta be the Grey Knight. You gotta be the Grey Knight. You're telling me you could be the Grey Knight and you're not gonna be the Grey Knight? You have to be. Right? They're pushing so hard for this. So I take the question to both of them. And they both say, oh, talk show. Oh, talk show. Talk show. What are you thinking? (laughs) One point my shrink, and I've got self-esteem issues up the ass. Maybe you couldn't tell. 
Uh, and <laughs> my shrink's like, maybe you should just like hire someone to be physically you. That, that would make a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it would. <laughs> he also said, I quote, this is at a different time. He also said, I wouldn't say you're good looking. There's a distinction. <sighs> no, five. He thought that I should like, I'd just be the voice, but like I should hire, I should make a deal with like, he didn't come out and say it because he wasn't brave enough. Uh, I th- I'm almost positive he was implying a gay prostitute uh, that I should, like, get a gay prostitute to be physically me and, like, buy tons of pictures and videos from him and say, this is me, but just not talking to them or only talking to them when, like, in first, when he's, like, in first person mode or something. This is a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a long time. I have the notes here, but I didn't really think about it. Rookie move. Oh, that's going to call the cat. Uh, <laughs> and I think about that fateful day. And I'm just really glad that I didn't go talk show. Because if I went talk show, I never would have talked about my pain. I never would have talked about being sick. I never would have paired my soul. I never would have gotten hurt for it. I got hurt real bad for it. Some people were real shitty. I gave them personal information. And they hurt me with it just because they could. Just awful. And yet, I'm grateful for all of it. As I sit here, I am grateful for all of it. The obligation, the mess-ups, the freak-outs, the... the the mudslinging, the, the nasty anons that I'm pretty sure were just a couple of women who couldn't take no for a fucking answer. I'm grateful for every last drop of it. I went through it all. Some of you went through lots of it with me. All of you went through a, list, a little bit of my not best behavior for me, and you believed in me. And I'm so grateful. Happy birthday to me. In a way, happy birthday to all of us. Because this is when it started, in August. Thank you for being a lady of the night. Thank you for getting me out of a place that I call the pit. Thank you for healing my body. Thank you for helping me to see. I was already in therapy. I'd already been in therapy a long time before you guys. Thank you for helping me to see the value in healing my mind and my heart. Thank you for pushing me to sing. (laughs) Well, like 50% of you weren't shitty about that. So thank you to that half, I guess. I gotta say, thank you for pushing me to sing. All the specifics on the actual singing, you either were way too nice or way too mean. <laughs> You're not singing instructors, so, eh, on that one. Uh, <laughs> mixed feelings. <laughs> either it was always perfect when I knew it wasn't anywhere close, 
or you guys are like, yes, yes, I know you're trying, but uh, let me tell you what is. You all become fucking Yoda. Well, you're trying, not doing. <sighs> trying to learn how to sing is the correct verbiage for what you're doing. <sighs> Thanks for that. That's not going to set me back 90 days. <sighs> not anymore, it won't. Uh, who hurt me? Half the fan base on this one, Taylor? I just said. <laughs> it was really weird. It was really weird. Getting pats on the head like I was five years old again, and then getting screamed at and accosted. It was such a straight... Every song upload, I'm like, oh, definitely going to need another vape for that. But I think I'm over 30 days without THC at this point. I'm almost positive. Uh, and I tapered off a fair bit before I stopped. And I've been exercising. I've been eating boring food. And I've been reading. And I'm just... Like, don't get me wrong. I'm so excited to get back to it. So don't be like... There's a little too much. No, okay. The celebration's coming from people who smoke, so now I think it's good. All right. <laughs> I'm not quitting quitting. I just... I need some time. And I, uh, and I don't need to drink all the time. I just want to. Mostly because of COVID. Uh, but truly, I... I'm so much better. Happy birthday. Thank you. I guess I can't keep saying happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You made me better. In every way a man can be better, you've made me better. I really do believe that. Now, for the love of ice, for the love of all things, holy and true, after that huge compliment and that huge emotional dump. For the love of all things true. Stop asking me how to make your man me. That's the birthday gift you can give me every day, all year. There's no good response to it. It feels weird. It's... I... Your man, quote-unquote, can't possibly like that. I... Can you imagine the fucking text message if you sent that to a fucking, like, bikini? Like, imagine, like, Emily Ruchikowski, or however the fuck you say her name, shows up to you and she goes, Hey, uh, I'm here to teach you how to be me, because that's what your boyfriend likes. Your boyfriend told me... That I'm what he uh, I'm I'm what he likes, and I'm here to give you the fucking four one one. How how does that day go for that boyfriend after that encounter? <laughs> Not great. Weird that you do it to me, and that you do it in such a way. That's that's. Listen, if you're one of the ones who does this. I'm saying this because I get these messages all the time, so please don't feel like I'm singly out embarrassing you. I literally got two today on my birthday. What is this nonsense? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I'm just so glad 
that no one has ever said something like that to me in person. Because I legitimately feel like I would fire off something too sarcastic and hurt them. Just out of shock. It's just such not the way that I would ever speak. I grew up, I, I compliment people's partners all the time. I find something that I can latch onto that I actually think is good. And I say the nice things about the partner to the partner. That's how I do it. So, uh, if somebody comes up to me and they're just all like, I fucking hate my spouse. I don't work with them. I don't befriend them. Like, I fucking get that people need divorces and that every divorce is great, but that is contra to how I live my fucking life. So I'm not going to be around that noise. I think that shit's crazy. And I'm just going to say, obviously, that's not what you're doing. It's a big compliment you're writing in. But if you're doing it, if it's like, if that makes it easier to write into me, just write into me. I promise I don't need any reason or excuse. I'm thrilled that you wrote in. You don't have to do any backstory. A lot of girls, like, I mean, tumblers, you only have like 280 characters as is. You don't need to explain that you're attracted to a guy, <laughs> how you met him, what the similarity is, and why you uh, just... <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're gonna write in a guy for advice, how do I make the dick I'm fucking more like yours is just... I don't... And then the other thing that I get asked a lot about men that it could be considered maybe a birthday present, if there would just be less of it, is, why does... Uh, I... Lady? <laughs> you want me to know why this man that I've never met is doing something in your life? If I had an answer for you, that would be distressing to me. If you could if you could type about some guy I'd never met and you could type something that you didn't like about him and I could actually just tell you right back over the fucking internet that's a that's a horror movie I want you to think about the level of information I have I want you to really really think about what would be going on that you could send off like I really want this guy to spank me and he's really great but then he doesn't really spank me enough and, like, when he does, it's hard sometimes, but it's not. And, like, he'll just straight up start, like, quoting Blue Velvet, like the movie. And I was wondering what I should say to him so that I get fucked from behind uh, and spanked properly. Right? Like, I get that fucking ask every day. Imagine if I actually, re if you sent that to me, you have an actual man in mind. He's not me for this. Right? I just want you to imagine that man. I just want you to imagine them. And then I write you back. Uh, here's what you do. You slap him once across the face. You say, yeehaw! You push your ass up. And then you lie in bed. And you're willing to do it. You're like, whatever. I got the advice. I'm going to try it. And then as soon as you slap him and yeehaw, you see this light flicker in his eyes. And you get bent over and fucked from behind after you get your ass slapped real good. Now that would feel great, but wouldn't you be there wondering with the cum 
just dripping out you and your ass throbbing in the air going, okay, but how did he know that? I'm scared now. Oh no, can he always control him? <laughs> like, it would be real fun. Like, if you could get that from me, do you understand that you probably shouldn't? Just because it would be available, it's like a poisonous fucking fruit on a tree that, like, a, you know, it's a fruit. Everyone knows, don't eat that. That'll kill you. Yeah, you could have it. Don't do it. Ladies, damning us all with sin because you couldn't resist one cum lot. Oh, cum lots. Oh, gotta have it. I feel the exact same way the Kumlots were the McDonald's of the COVID Garden of Eden. <laughs> you pass by the tree every day, you smell the Kumlots. It's always in season, because it's the Garden of Eden. Hey, God, couldn't you just make the Kumlots not in season all the time or smell so fucking good? No. What would be the point? Uh, wow, I didn't I didn't know what God's voice would sound like, but that's pretty that's that's exactly what I think God sounds like whenever you pray to him. <laughs> I have cancer and I gave it to you. I made the cancer, I like it. Guess what? I might like it more than you. You going to find out? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I do. <laughs> That's one of the most fucked up things I've ever said. Wow. All right. <laughs> God does not play dice, but apparently he'll over under on your cancer survival rate. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Everybody says they want God to talk back. They want God to duck back. I've always thought, like, if you've prayed for 30 years and you haven't heard it and then suddenly you do, that can't be a good moment. How could it possibly be? <laughs> How? There was this one elevator that took forever to open up no matter when I pressed the button or when I was going in or out of this office. I had pretty flexible hours. It took forever. I'm a patient man, and I still thought it took forever. And then one time, just one time, I pressed it, and ding, it just flew right open. I jumped back. I gasped. That's a fucking elevator door. You're telling me you suddenly hear a voice in your head after not hearing it? You're happy? That's why every single politician who talks like that talks like this. Of course, I prayed and forced God talks back to me. What language does God talk in? That sounds like a kind of question that could logic apply to it. You shut up. I, he speaks in godly. <laughs> I just want to know how God conjugates. Does God use the Oxford comma? You're saying you're in contact. We can get this settled for once and for all. Semicolons. Sears, where does he put the apostrophe? When Sears is possessive, where does God put the apostrophe? I need to know. <laughs> uh. 
hey, you want to stop talking about my bullshit and you want to start uh, working away at all of this reading that we're going to be doing for hours and hours and hours? Thank you, girls, very much. I said the nice gratitude thing, and now I gotta just once shake the can, especially for the girls who didn't come out to the live show. Won't you please consider throwing in a tip? Happy birthday. Thank you so much. I know it's really hard out there. But I just used a sob story, and I used an L-bomb, and I went personal, and I fucking even threw in the whole... I sacrificed for my one employee's paycheck. So, like, I've given you the full gambit. I'm telling you, this is the new me. I'm out for me. I'm trying real hard to make moves and make success. So that's a pretty hard ask. There it is. It's the hardest ask I've ever done. And I'm just going to keep trying to get bigger. You should definitely help me if you're at home and you and you have no money. Right? And you don't want to feel guilty or anything like that. You're one of the ones who does. (laughs) You're fine, babies. What I would actually love is to get this project to the point where I'm not asking for tips so much. There's just a quiet little tip jar up there, so much so. And the way that you can help me do that is you can rate the podcast. You can do that on iTunes. You can listen on Spotify. Wherever you listen is great. If you don't have a preference, Spotify is fantastic. A lot of new gals find me through Spotify just because you listen. You like them. If you like the piece and you favorite them or all the rest, you put a special folder. If you tell robots that you like me, even if your account is small, every time you hit the heart icon on something I like, every time you share it on something on social media, I frankly just don't like doing it. Posting on social media, asking for the help and all the likes. This is hard for me. But you and your account, I don't care how many followers you have, I promise, if you tell the robots that you like me, more girls find me. They tell me. They say, I just found your shit. And I know, especially if you like me for years, that can sound nuts. But all the time that the numbers come in and the robot goes, oh, okay, I just get pushed out to more human beings. So really and truly, don't feel bad if you can't tip after that big, big fucking push for it. Uh... Help me with the robots. There's there's ladies out there. Again, I'm just real bad at the social media stuff, and I'm trying. So if you really want to show me gratitude, you really want to think, I I think he's actually sincere and growing and and trying to make peace with this world, even though this world is strange. Strange, strange, strange. For instance, you might hear behind me, there's a corpse helicopter. That helicopter is for body overflow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a weird fucking time, and I'm trying to make peace with it, and if you really are with me, that's the one thing you can do. I'm trying harder on social media. I'm trying harder to give fan experiences. I'm tr- I'm doing so well most of the time with fan experiences. I have had perfect dates for over a 100 days now. Over a 100 days consecutively of all the ladies who see me for a date just being Real fucking good. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So I'm really trying. And that's the way that you can help me. The way you can help me is telling the robots. I really appreciate the money. I know. I just talked about it. All the good it does me. However, that's what will help. I want to take this to the next level. I really appreciate 
how sweet and generous you all are. That's how we do it. So, help me do it. Thank you so much. On with the show. <clears throat> okay. When I first met you, I knew that I had come home at last. Home after wandering. Home after long puzzled searching. Home after long being windborne. Wave-tossed. Night-caught. Long being lost. And being with you was normal. And needful. And natural as sleeping or waking. And I was myself, who had never been wholly myself. I was walking and talking, and laughing easily at last. And the air was softer, and the sounds were sharper, and the colors were brighter, and the sky was higher. And length was not measured by milestones, and time was not measured by clocks, and this end was a beginning. And these words are a beginning of my thanks. First Meeting by A.S.J. Tessamund A.S.J. Tessamund <clears throat> Okay, that was lovely. What a lovely one to start off on. Stay near to me, and I'll stay near to you. As near as you are dear to me will do. Near as the rainbow, as the rain, as the west wind to the window pane, as the fire to the hearth, as the dawn. To the dew. Stay true to me, and all stay true to you, as true to me as now will do. New as the rainbow in the spray, utterly new in every way, new in the way that what you say is true. Stay near to me, stay true to me, I'll stay as near as true as you as heart could pray. Heart never hoped that you might be half of the things you are to me, the dawn, the fire, the rainbow, and the day. Hinterhof by James Fenton <clears throat> That is no country for old men, the young in one another's arms Birds in the trees, those dying generations as their song. The salmon falls, the mackerel crowd sees. Fish, flesh of fowl commend all summer long. Whatever is begotten, born and dies, caught in the sensual music, all neglect. Monuments of unaging intellect. An aged man is but a paltry thing, a tattered coat upon a stick, unless soul clap its hands and sing, and louder sing, for every tatter in his moral dress, nor is there singing school but studying monuments of its own magnificence. And therefore I have sailed the seas and come to the holy city of Byzantium. O sages standing in God's holy fire, as in the galled mosaic of the wall, come from the holy fire, turn in a gyre, and in the singing masters of my soul, consume my heart away, sick with desire, and fasten to a dying animal, it knows not what it is, and gather me into the artifice of eternity. Once 
out of nature. I shall never take my bodily form from any natural thing, but such a form as a Grecian goldsmith makes, of hammered gold and gold Emmanuel, and to keep a dowry empery awake. Oh, to set upon a golden bough and sing to the lords and ladies of Byzantium of what is past or passing or to come. Sailing to Byzantium by William Butler Yeats. I'm actually a Yeats fan, and I did not know that one. <clears throat> and when we speak now, seldom as this is, the old language returns. I wonder if it makes old names make guest appearances in your mind. If you can feel the skin of my neck near yours one more time, do you reach across the bed for a shape no longer there? Do you remember it clearly, or is it all just memories of memories? Is there still warmth from my finger tracing the contours of your skin left somewhere in your body? If you smell the smell of how I used to smell in a crowd, do you think of these things? Is something missing in everyone else's or someone's new voice? Will they never know quite how to laugh or breathe or just be behind your ear? Do they know what you look like? when you want to leave a party, when you've had too much of people. Could they rebuild your body out of clay if they needed to, because they've touched it so many times? Does your back still arch the same way as when I used to kiss you? Does an old singer sing an old song on an old radio? Do the lyrics still shake your fucking soul? Did it sound like this? The Phantom Limbs, Ian S. Thompson. Paramour of memory, ultimate mistress, source of all pleasure, my only desire, how can I forget your ecstatic caresses, the warmth of your breasts by the roaring fire, paramour of memory, ultimate mistress. Each night illuminated by the burning coals we lay together where the rose fragrance clings, how soft your breasts, how tender your soul. Ah, and we said imperishable things, each night illuminated by the burning coals. How beautiful the sunsets these sultry days, deep space so profound, beyond life's brief floods. Then, when I kissed you, my queen, in the days, I thought I breathed in the bouquet of your blood as beautiful as the sunsets these sultry days. Night thickens all around us like a wall. In the deepening darkness of our irises meet, I drink your breath, ah, poisonous and sweet. As with the fraternal hands I massage your feet while night thickens around us like a wall. I have mastered the sweet but difficult art of happiness here, with my head in your lap, finding pure joy in your body, your heart, because you're the queen of my present and past. I have mastered love's sweet but difficult art. O vows, O perfumes, O infinite kisses, can these be reborn from a gulf we can't sound? As sun reappears, as if heaven misses their light when they sink into the sea's dark profound. O vows, 
O perfumes, O infinite kisses. The Balcony by Charles Baudelaire It's all very sweet, thank you. <clears throat> love has no desire but to fulfill itself. But if your love and must needs have desired, let these be your desires. To melt and be like a running brook that sings its melody to the night. To know the pain of too much tenderness, to be wounded by your own understanding of love, and to bleed willingly and joyfully. To wake at dawn with winged hearts and give thanks for another day of loving, the rest of the noon hour and meditate love's ecstasy. To return home at eventime with gratitude and the sleep of the prayer for the beloved in your heart and the song of praise upon your lips. Let these be your desires. Khalil Gibran, G-I-B-R-A-N. <clears throat> At the bottom of my garden there's a hedgehog and a frog and a lot of creepy crawlies living underneath a log. There's a baby daddy long legs and an easy-going snail and a family of wood lice all on my nature trail. There are caterpillars waiting for their time to come to fly. There are worms turning the earth over as ladybugs fly by. Birds will visit, cats will visit, and they will always choose their next time. I've even seen a fox visit this wild garden of mine. Squirrels come to nick my nuts, and busy bees come buzzing, and when the night time comes, sometimes the dragonflies come humming. My garden mice are very shy, and I've seen the bats to growl, and in my garden I have seen a very wise old owl. My garden is a lively place, there's always something happening. This constant search for food, and then there's all that flowering. When all you have is a garden, you will never be alone, and I believe we all deserve a garden of our own. Ah. That's such a nice ending. Nature Trail by Benjamin Zaphania. Uh, Z-E-P-H-A-N-I-A-H. Are we actually almost? We've got two poems left, so please hold your applause if you're here live and get those quick quotes ready for me. Won't you be so kind? Quiet except for quick quotes, please. Two more poems to get them up and ready. Here we go. <clears throat> Bring me your pain, love. Spread out like fine rugs, silk sashes, warm eggs, cinnamon, and cloves and burlap sacks. Show me the detail of intricate embroidery on the collar, tiny shell buttons, the hem stitched the way that you were taught, picking just a thread almost invisible. Unclasp it like jewels, the gold still hot from your bodies. Empty your basket of figs. Spill your wine. The hard nugget of pain, I would suck it 
cradling it on my tongue like the sick seed of a pomegranate. I would lift it tenderly, and a great animal might carry a small one into the private cave of their mouth. Basket of Figs by Ellen Bass That was very evocative. <clears throat> you don't have to be crushed under the spokes of your own desire to be proven worthy enough. Oof. The trophy of your hard work don't have to appear so fresh on your body your clothes need be torn. Every night you worry a new bird's nest from your hair. Every night the dreams grind you under their boot heel. Your pendulum heart doesn't need to swing so hard in either direction. Nails don't have to be bitten to the nub. You have to believe that the ground will materialize under your feet the moment you step forward. No one can tell you if it will be rock gravel or slick with pain. No one can travel this road before you. It is yours. And you are beautiful because of it. Wild Geese After Mary Oliver by Kristen O'Keefe Potswitz A-P-T-O-W-I-C-Z I was wrong. We've got some more poems they were hiding. I kind of figured. I kind of figured. Real quick here, then. <clears throat> oh, we'll end on that one. That one's perfect to end on for poems. All right. <clears throat> yes, yours, my love, in the right human face. I, in my mind, had waited for this long, seeing the false and searching for the true, then found you as a traveler finds a place of welcome suddenly amid the wrong valleys of rocks and twisting roads. But you, what shall I call you? A fountain in a waste? A well of water in a county dry? Of anything that's honest and good, an eye that makes the whole world bright? Your open heart, simple with giving, gives the primal deed, the first good world, the blossom, the blowing seed, the hearth, the steadfast land, the wandering sea, not beautiful or rare in every part, but like yourself, as they were meant to be. The Confirmation, Edward Murr. And here we go. <clears throat> My heart is like a singing bird, whose nest is in the watered shoot. My heart is like an apple tree, whose boughs are bent with thick-set fruit. My heart is like a rainbow shell, that paddles in a halcalon sea. My heart is gladder than these, because my love is come to me. Raise me a dais of silk and down, hang it with the veil of purple dyes, carve in the doves and pomegranate and peacocks with one hundred eyes. Work it with the gold and silver grapes and leaves and silver fleur-de-lis, because birthday of my life it come, my love is come to me.
Birthday by Christina Rossetti. And thank you to everybody who requested such a lovely poem tonight. Goodness. <clears throat> oh, we've got some real quick quotes this evening. Goodness. All right. Well, then you girls better be fucking tipping. <clears throat> Damn. Here we go. Baby girl, Sierra. It's my birthday, and I will do the spanking. Now bend over, baby girl. The Norwegians are leaving. The Norwegians are leaving. I'm so proud of you for getting your dream job, Ashley. Keep kicking ass, baby girl. Proud of you. You've been working so hard, baby girl. Come relax with Daddy. You are stronger than you think. Keep going. Quiet your mind. You're doing well. I live to pleasure you, my little girl. Oh, baby. You're the icing on the cake. Come here. Let me lick it off. Are you going to come for me, Faith? Won't you please, baby girl? Uh, Allie, remind me at the end when they're all done. Purred out. You are so very beautiful, my baby girl, Bridget. I am so very proud of your effort, Chastity. I see it. Keep going. On your knees, little girl. It's time for Daddy's birthday present. Come here, baby girl. Give Daddy a kiss. Don't stop, baby. Don't stop. Mm, yeah. Just like that. I'm going to chase you, and you better hope I don't catch you, kitten. Baby girl, you are so sweet. Come share that sweetness with Daddy. Very proud of you, baby girl. Baby girl, this doubt doesn't serve you. Your daddy has no doubts. You have this. You can do this. Let's slip into bed together, baby girl. Are you my present? Well, get naked and come closer. Now! Come here and give daddy kisses. Come here, baby girl. Daddy's hungry. It's Daddy's birthday. Bend over and show me that sweet fucking ass. Oh, how deep, baby girl. Are you trying to make me scream from pleasure or pain? Bend over, baby. Daddy's still the one giving out spanks, even on his birthday. 
food. You're so sweet. I can just eat you all. Alright, girls, if you've requested something, please don't keep spamming. <laughs> Thank you. Calm and cuddles, little one. Those moans you make get me so hard. Alright, if there's any girl who's out there for the first time, especially if they want me to say their name or just something really quick, Go ahead, put it on in. So this is for girls who have not requested anything else so far tonight. We're closing up the quick quotes. If you do want to get that as I prep, that would be very meaningful to me. <clears throat> I love saying hello to girls who come out for the first time. I know it can be very intimidating. I know that I don't do this in the talk show easy-to-swallow format. And therefore, if you're really attracted to me, especially if you think my voice is just a little bit of actual magic, I get it. So you coming out, you saying hello on the server, you being brave enough to do that, I really do appreciate it. Doing my best to make it easier for you, uh, more comfortable and easier for you on one level. On another level, I am doing my best to get as sexy as possible that you just melt. I know that the majority of women, when they find a man too attractive, it's like their brain doesn't function, and they almost hate it, and they hate him. And I'm doing everything I can to get to that level of attraction all the time. I just want you constantly irritated at how turned on you are with me. So I am trying to make it easier in one way, but in another way, I also, I legitimately want you to feel a little bit like a gut punch. When I walk by you, I legitimately be like, I am too busy to look at how fucking hot he is today. He better not fucking walk by here. Also trying to get to that level, too. <laughs> here we go. Okay, that wasn't bad for range and distance. Now let's go for power. <clears throat> let's try and turn it up to ten. Here we go. Special birthday per. <laughs> okay, working on it. <laughs> Can you imagine that on pussy? A lot of women who have been with me can. They can't quite describe it, but yes, they can imagine it in person because I can actually stick my tongue out my fucking mouth and make it do that. Oh, that's it. It doesn't sound as good when I stick out my tongue, but there it is. I can actually put my tongue on your clit and vibrate it. If in case you were curious, yes. Oh, there it is. Oh, 
I can get you both ways. I can get the tongue down, the depressor, where I wrap my tongue around your clitoral hood and just kind of... That's not as good, though, I find, as I call the constant stabber, where I stick the tongue inside your slit and just from a sideways, like I'm kissing you, just... Again, it doesn't sound that great, but it fucking goes over like gangbusters. <laughs> Just insert my quarter into your slot and turn your machine on, baby. Good vibes only. Not bad. I should do an audio that's nothing but purring called Good Vibes Only. Just for that fucking title. <clears throat> Ah. All right. We've got some love letters. Since one name's jumping out at me, let's read this one. Ah. Being in love, falling in love, now I understand it. Now I know what it means to what happens to me when I am writing. I'm in love with the work, the subject, the characters. I function only by falling in love. What is it, I suppose, is the creative condition as expressed in human emotion and mood? So it comes out curiously the same, whether sexual or spiritual or aesthetic or intellectual. Some writers can handle lava with bare hands, but I'm not so tough, and in fact, I have no interest in confession. My games are transformation and invention. The daily routine, the most adults, is so heavy and artificial that we are closed off to much of the world. We have to do this in order to get our work done. I think one purpose of art is to get us out of those routines. When we hear magic, or when we hear music, or poetry, or stories, the world opens up again. We're drawn in, and the windows of our perception are cleansed. Our culture doesn't think storytelling is sacred. We don't set aside a time of the year for artists to pursue a sacred call, although some would buck and rear at having their work. Oh, goodness. Give me one second here. Oh my, where'd you go, Ursula? Spoiler alert. Just one second. Oh, this is the perfect time for Pacebin to... <laughs> to try and do a sales pitch with a pop-up. Perfect time. I'm definitely going to remember this uh, fondly, Pacebin. And I'm definitely only going to think about paying you that money with a big smile on my face after you do that. All right, it's gone. Sorry for all the clicking. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to start again. Our culture doesn't think storytelling is sacred. We don't set a time of the year for artists to pursue a sacred call, although some would buck and rear at having their work labeled like this. Artists are lucky 
to have a form in which to express themselves. There is a sacredness about that and a terrific sense of responsibility. We've got to do it right. Why don't we have to why do we have to do it right? Because that's the whole point. Either it's right or it's all wrong. History is one way of telling stories, just like a myth, fiction, and oral storytelling. History is not a science, it's an art. As a writer, you want to learn language to be genuinely significant. And I mean exactly what it says. We can't reconstruct our society without reconstructing the English language. One reflects the other. A lot of people are getting tired of the huge pool of metaphors that have to do with war and conflict and the profligation of battle against metaphors such as being a warrior, riding, defeating, so on. That's one option. Another is to realize that conflict is not the only human response to a situation, and to begin to find other metaphors, such as resisting, witting, skipping, subverting. That kind of consciousness can open the door to all kinds of new behavior. One of the functions of art is to give people the words to know their own experience. There are other areas of vast silence in any culture. A part of an artist's job is to go into those areas and come back from the silence with something to say. It's one reason why we read poetry, because poets can give us the words we need. When we read good poetry, we often say, yeah, that's it. That's how I feel. If we never find our experience described in poetry or stories, we assume that our experience is insignificant. Storytelling is a tool for knowing who we are and what we want. Well, thank you to whoever requested that. That was so fucking lovely to read. Raw, raw, raw. Uh, Ursula K. Le Guin on storytelling and the power of language. And I agree with her so much more than fucking Chomsky these days. So give the lady a listen, won't you? It's my birthday. You all want to hear me rant about Noam Chomsky? I can't get any of the women that I'm attracted to to do it. So here's the thing. Noam Chomsky is smarter than me, and I don't say that about a lot of men, but he is. So when Noam Chomsky says something, I often go, I guess he's right, because he's smarter than me, because we disagree. But I just found out earlier this year that Noam Chomsky thought that the part of language that goes which way where, which is called syntax, he thought... He really believes that just one day one of our ancestors just had all that. There was no language, and then all of the language that we have now just appeared. Language, either all at once, or within a few generations, got right where it is now. And I just want to say, that's the craziest fucking theory from a smart person I've ever heard. It's like if you admired someone and you love them and then you found out they really think that the aliens built the pyramids. Not joking or funny. They actually, like, snort laugh when they talk about, like, pharaohs and they literally think you're so dumb. It's almost hard to look at that person the same way again. It's like that. 
Noam Chomsky, he doesn't say it this way, but he thinks that, like, the angel of words just kind of jumped in a man's head one day, and his his previous ancestor was a monkey going, uh, uh hungry, hungry, sex, hungry, sex, and that within a few generations, his grandson was going, you know, I was thinking about Noam Chomsky the other day, and I, no, aren't you out of your mind? The other day is a hint that we didn't have language like that way back when. <laughs> Just think about that sentence, gnome. <laughs> You're blowing my mind with this. <laughs> He's so brilliant. How has he gotten fooled on this one? So here's my thing. I told you guys it's my birthday. See, already the crowd at home. You're probably, you're not, nobody's listening to this part. 15 seconds all over again. 15 seconds, 15 seconds, 15 seconds. You're just trying to get to the part of the podcast where I'm reading again and I'm not talking about Noam Chomsky. 15 seconds, 15 seconds, 15 seconds. I can outweigh you. 15 seconds. What are you going to do? You already went through this once before. 15 seconds, 15 seconds. At this point, it's a callback. It's a birthday gift to me. I asked you at the beginning of this, can I talk about Noam Chomsky? You said yes, and then you didn't even last three fucking minutes. I'm telling you, I understand that this shuts pussies. I get it. I watch it happen. I don't care. I need to talk about this. It bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> So here's why Noam Chomsky's wrong. Ready? Pluralization didn't exist until we got to formed writing. I had to research a lot of fucking shit to get there, but there it is. The ancient system of counting was one too many. Not one, not, not like I've had one too many beers. One, comma, two, comma, many. There's not three, there's not four, there's not five. One, two, many. And it's that way all over the fucking ancient world. A forest is denoted as three trees in almost every fucking system that drew something. Three deer is a herd. Because why would you draw forth? Do you know how many three is? You don't. In fact... Here's how ancient shepherds counted. This is true. The way that ancient shepherds counted, and we have evidence of this all over the world, ancient shepherds would have their pen enclosed, right? And then they would have a bucket. And then for every single sheep that they let out, they would transfer a rock from one bucket to another. So ancient shepherds who had the same feelings and desires and love as you did would literally, if a wolf got into their flock and they were counting the sheep back in by moving one rock per in, if you showed them the bucket with all the rocks left in it, if it's above two, they would not know how many. Three, five, seven, ten, all the same. All the same.
other thing that drives me nuts about this is when I travel around the world, I watch parents try and talk to their children like they're human beings, right up until the point that they don't. And this is always especially clear when you're in another country and you don't speak the language. So you're going off body language and tone. And so the way that kids talk globally is pretty much identical. Here it is. Ready? A little. We're talking about a little two to three year old basic taught that the only reason the parent isn't picking them up is because the child wants to quote unquote walk. <laughs> Otherwise, we, we would absolutely just be slinging these goddamn things around. Right? We'd be picking them up and just tossing them. There's no way to try and walk next to one of these creatures. And they're very, very vocal, often, two or three years old. Toddler, little after toddler. Very, very vocal. And they sound like this no matter the language. Ready? That's how they sound. If they're happy, if they're fed... Nothing's too distressing. That's what they're doing. They're talking up. They're making up songs. They're they're sometimes just going like if you know the language, they're just going candy, 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 candy. Right. Oh, I saw a dog. That's not the dog. And then what? Ah. Okay. We're all with me. Okay. <laughs> So when parents are trying to explain something important, something that the child needs to understand, they speak in a very different way than when they're saying something the child doesn't need to understand. They talk normally, as they would to a normal adult. Yes, honey, the dog. Uh-huh, the window. Candy is delicious, is how they respond to the things that aren't important. But when the kid insists on walking and keeps fucking up their shoelaces, you got to help them get that fucking shit down. And when you watch in public people who don't, these are good parents, right? I mean this, these are parents who are feeding their kids, keeping them clothed. Uh, everything looks real, real good from the outside. But you're watching them get frustrated. You're watching them get frustrated trying to impart the knowledge of tying the shoelaces to the kid. And trying to explain why the kid can't cross by the road by themselves, and the things that they need to understand. And you're watching them get frustrated. And whenever things come back to a physical thing, like the loop, the parent voice does this. Ready? Man, woman, doesn't matter. Guardian, ad litem. Those are the three genders. Just in case for anybody was curious what they were. <laughs> Choose appropriately. Uh, <laughs> the parent does this. Ba-da-ma. Ba. 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 And ba is almost always a linguistic version of this or here or where I'm pointing. Always, the, the instructions get simpler and smaller and eventually comes down to, physiologically, this. 
This is the line you can't cross. This is the loop that you're not getting. Here, here, focus everything you've got, little child cognition. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. This is what, this is the part of it. We have to get, you have to get this part, this. And if you see this happen enough times with enough people that you really think a good patient, and they're not mad, they're not, not like losing their shit or nothing. Like I've seen that too, but that's not the story I'm telling. I'm talking about the very normal story of just a slightly aggravated parent needing to relay knowledge to someone who doesn't want to take it in. And it goes back down to this, to this every time. So between the pluralization thing and the ability to not like know time or to to figure out uh, what's going on, when or where, uh, in the way that we can. The other thing is that makes Noam Chomsky absolutely insane to me. Before we get back to reading, I'm sorry about how long the diversion has been on, but this is really interesting. I've been looking. I mean, I've had a lot of time in 2020, so I did a lot of fucking reading. Uh, It just drives me nuts that such a smart man, who a man who I really think is that much smarter than me, doesn't understand that literally, literally, up until like 500 years ago, up until maybe 250 years ago, that all human knowledge that was physical eventually was like, no, this, like this, like this. This was literally the only word I I believe this. I'm going to go crazy. I this I've read a lot of I've read a lot of fucking literature about the origin of language. I don't know how that sounds in 2020. And I have a theory that this was the only word for a long time. Just this. Not that, just this. This. What I'm pointing at is the contextual point of this. So this is a person, or this is a tool, or this is the... This, with a point, with our bodies and touching, going this, this, this. And eventually, we had to start coming up with names for different thises. Because we didn't need them for people. There weren't enough people. We didn't have to call them names. They didn't have names. There's no names. Nobody has a name. But we're still saying this. This is what I'm pointing at, and this is what I'm relating to. This, 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 this. A tree is this, and a rock is this, and you don't need names for trees and rocks until you need to start relating trees and rocks to people who aren't in range of this, of my finger, constantly. Constantly. Because if we're all together, and we're all this tribe, we're moving together, we can all see the finger. It's only after we move away from physiologically somebody that we have to start really using any kind of complex language. This does it. We're still using this. Just think of cavemen as exactly like you. And I mean exactly like you, except instead of saying this, we say here. We say here, H-E-R-E in English, in modern English, when we take the fucking phone from our grandparents and they can't fucking, or the remote, we go here, and we just take it and we just do it. You're here. That's what they were doing with this. This. Okay. That's my theory. Uh, 
and uh, I'm very embarrassed. I didn't expect that to come out at all. But Ursula K. Le Guin is so correct. There's a reason why uh, I'm like super big about what language I try and use or not. Like, for instance, apparently you're all using the word bitch now and like dumb bitch and you're just bitching at each other all the time. I've tried so hard to take that fucking language out of my... For what? I don't know. <laughs> you're all just throwing it around like confetti these days. Oh, I drink dumb bitch juice whenever I listen to you, daddy. Thank you? <laughs> Daddy, you don't understand. I'm a smart girl, but for you, I'm a dumb bitch. Uh... I... I didn't ask that of you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I've talked about the value of an education, even in our horrible system. Just, I don't want you to go too in debt for it. <laughs> All right, let's get back to it. Otherwise, I'm going to get lost again. <clears throat> some, some gals are, some gals are, some gals are throwing a lot of elbows at the dumb bitch comments and they can't believe in firming. But most of them are real quiet. Some gals throwing elbows. Most gals real quiet. Because it's a fucking thing. It's a whole fucking thing. I don't know when it started or how. <sighs> 15 seconds. Wouldn't it be amazing if somebody actually skipped to that one? <laughs> Thought that whole fucking thing was 15 seconds. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta have fun with yourself as the creator. Okay. <clears throat> Sweetheart. Please, please do not be so depressed. We'll be married soon, and then these lonesome knives will be ours forever. And until we are, I am loving. Loving every tiny minute of the day, the night. Maybe you won't understand this, but sometimes when I miss you most, it's hardest to write you at all. Always know that when I make myself just this ache of it all, I can't tell you. If we're together, you'd feel how strong it is. You're so sweet when you're melancholy. Oh, I need to find a woman like that. I love your sad tenderness. When I've hurt you, that's one of the reasons I could never be sorry for our quarrels. And they bothered you so, those dear, dear little fusses. When I always tried so hard to make you kiss and regret. Scott. There's nothing in all the world I want but you and your precious love. All the material things are nothing. I just hate to live in a sordid, colorless existence because you'd soon love me less and less. And I'd do anything, anything to keep your heart for my own. I don't want to live. I want to love first and live incidentally. Don't, don't ever think of these things as that you can give me. You've trusted me with the dearest heart of all, and it's so damn much more than anybody else in the world has ever given me. How can you think deliberately of life without me? If you should die, oh darling, darling Scott, it'd be like going blind. I'd have no purpose in life. Just a 
pretty declaration. Don't you think I was made for you to feel like you had me ordered, like I was delivered to you to be worn? I want you to wear me. I want the watch charm or the buttonhole bouquet to the world, and then, when we're alone, I want to help, but you can't do anything without me. All my heart, I love you. Zelda Fitzgerald is Scott Fitzgerald. Oof. Oof. That was so sweet until the end. Oh, that was so nice until I know who was writing it. She did not feel that way 20 years later. <laughs> Surprise! Here's the here's the best here's the best story about how Scott and Zelda went at each other because I'm not a fan of Scott either. Scott and Zelda they they both fucked up. But here's my favorite story about how little Zelda held Scott's regard. It's known historical fact that Scott asked Ernest Hemingway if his penis was an all right enough size because Zelda said it was way too fucking small. True story. Look it up. That's right. Ernest Hemingway Scott saw Scott Fitzgerald's fucking cock. It's in the literary record. <laughs> also, Lyndon Johnson showed his penis to, like, 500 people while he was president. And all of the stories are amazing. Every single one of them is crazier than the last. These are dick facts. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, you bring up Zelda Fitzgerald... And all her lovingness and Scott, without you, I can't live. Ah, apparently she can make do. Apparently she learned. Apparently going blind does enhance the other senses after all, eh, Zelda? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was a rainy beginning of the afternoon and H was watching a movie at home comfortably like, oh, oh. That smut. You don't get that yet, dirty girl. I know you want it. Elizabeth, dear, I'm glad you told me about the moonlight party, dear. It could have been a great deal worse. And it was. It was a nice little boy you liked and nothing that need worry you. There were two things that I'd like you to remember, or in fact, several. <laughs> okay, we're off to the races with this one. The thrills you get from touching the body of another person are just as good and legitimate as the thrills that you get at the opera. Only the ones which you get at the opera are all mixed up with your ideas of beauty and music and life as they seem to be good and holy things. In the same way the best can only be had from the joys of life offers our sense of touch, for sex is mostly a matter, a sense of touch. Mm. We are associates, those joys, with love and respect and understanding. It is by the way in which sex is under this that I include warm, demonstrative friendships with both sexes as well as love affairs proper with men is linked with all those parts of our lives with our appreciation of music and tenderness for children and most of all of us with our lives as someone with additional nearness to them which expresses our love, what it gives us. The sex itself is given meaning. You must realize that your body has been given to you as an instrument of joy, and through such you should choose to move most rigorously 
whose touch may make the instrument thrill and sing a thousand beautiful songs. You must never think it wrong a bit to sing, for your body was made to sing to another's touch. It is the spirit within the body that must be stern and say, No, you cannot play on this precious instrument. True, it would sing for you. Your fingers are very clever at playing on such instruments, but I do not love you or respect you, and I will not have my body singing a tune for which my soul cannot sing also. If you remember this, any touch you may set aside to be delicate chords humming, but it is your right to choose who shall really play a tune and be very, very sure of your choices first. If a boy is interesting person and you like him, if he isn't, don't. Think of him as an individual first and as a boy second. What kind of person is he? Is he a great deal more important than he belongs? After all, so does a hundred million other individuals. Oh, I am very proud of you in the way that you're able to think through such problems that life brings, and of the way that you meet them, and I consider it a great privilege to have to tell you all I have. I am so glad you are happy, dear. Very lovingly, Margaret. Margaret Mead to her younger sister, Elizabeth. Okay. My sweet girl, your love letter gave me more delight than anything in the world but yourself could do. Indeed, I am almost astonished that any absent should have this luxurious power over my senses which I feel. Even when I am not thinking of you, I receive your influence with a tenderer nature stealing upon me. All my thoughts, my unhappiest days and nights have I find not all cured me of my love or beauty, but made it so intense that I am miserable that you are not with me, or rather breath, breathe in that dull sort of patience that cannot be called life. I never knew before what such a love of yours had made me feel. I did not believe in it. The fancy was afraid of it, lest it should burn me up. But if you well fulfill and fully love me, though there may be some fire, twill not be more than we can bear with moistness and be dewed with pleasures. You mention horrid people and ask me whether I depend upon whether I see you again. Do you understand me, my love, in this? I have so much of you in my heart that I must turn mentor when I see a chance of harm befalling you. I would never see anything but pleasure in your eyes, love on your lips, happiness in your steps. I would wish to see you among those among, amused suitable to your inclinations and spirits, so that your love might be a delight in the midst of pleasure, agreeable enough rather than a resource from vexations and cares. But I doubt much, in case of the worst, whether I shall be a philosopher enough to follow in my own lesson if I saw my resolution give you the pain. I could not. Why may I not speak of your beauty, since without that I could not have loved you? I cannot conceive of any beginning of such a love as I have for you but beauty. There may be some sort of love which, without the least 
sneer of it, I have the highest respect and can admire. It is in others. But it has not the richness, the bloom, the full force, the enchantment of love after my own heart. So let me speak of your beauty, though to my own endangering, if you could be so cruel as to try elsewhere its power. You say that you are afraid, and I shall think you do not love me. In saying this, you make me ache the more to be near you. I am at the diligent use of my faculties here. I do not pass a day without sprawling some blank verse or tagging some rhymes. I'm here. I must confess that, since I am on the subject. I love you the more in that I believe you have liked me for my own sake. For nothing else. I have met with women whom I really think would like to be married to a poem, and like to be given away by a novel. I have seen your comment, and only wish it was a sign that poor Rice would get well whose illness makes him rather a melancholy companion. And the more so to conquer his feelings and hide from me, with a forced pun. I kissed your writings over the hope that you had indulged me, believing a trace of honey. What was your dream? Tell it to me, and I will tell you the interpretation thereof. Ever yours, my love. Do not accuse me of delay. We have not here any opportunity of sending letters every day. Write speedily. Wow. From John Keats to Fanny Brom. That Keats, man. Yeah, way with words. All right. It was a rainy beginning to the afternoon, and H was watching a movie, comfortably lying down on the couch when she got a text from Jane. I will be a little late coming home, it said. When I am back, I will give you the punishment you deserve for being such a naughty girl. It continued. H smiled. She didn't know what she had done to deserve the punishment, but she was excited couldn't wait for Jay to come home. When she heard Jay coming from the back door, H was still doing the dishes. She still had several plates and utensils in the sink with soap on. Jay came slowly behind her. I'm almost done, H said, turning her head with a smile. Her long hair was braided, which she often did when it was raining. Keep doing the dishes, Jay said. Actually, you're going to have to keep your hands in the sink. You're not allowed to take them out. While he was saying that, Jay started to reach for H's breasts, touching them, caressing them. She tried to reach for his. Could not. She was not allowed to take her hands out of the sink. No, no, he said. You've got to finish the dishes. I'll do as I please with you while you're finishing them. 
H could feel her nipples getting hard as J was touching her. He kept his left hand fondling on her breasts as his right hand started to unbutton H's jeans. Soon, he took the jeans to her knees, revealing her shapely ass and a thong. Smack, smack, J spanked H quite gently. You were such a naughty girl today, J said. He was about to say something, but J covered her mouth. No, you're not allowed to say anything. Just work on the dishes while I teach your ass a lesson. Jay kept his hand on her mouth as she spanked her pretty hard. She gasped. She wanted to talk, to tell him to stop, but Jay's hand prevented her. She felt the sting of the slaps on her ass. Smack, smack, smack. Jay spanked her harder. She tried to move, but Jay was holding her firmly. Her ass was burning. Jay had removed his pants, and she could feel his hard cock on her. His hand went down, firmly holding her, while he started kissing and biting her ears. She let him moan out harder as Jay felt his cock right against her skin, so hard and full of blood. You make me so hard, naughty girl, Jay said. I want you so bad. He <laughs> I want you so bad, he said as he softly whispered in her ear. H wanted to move, but her hands were still full of soap, and Jay's tight hold on her made her unable to. Jay turned her head towards him and kissed her hard, forcing his tongue in her mouth. She liked it when he was kissing her like that, feeling his beard on her soft, dark skin. She felt his fingers reaching for her pussy, touching her clit, opening her labia. You're already so wet, dirty slut, Jay said, and she was. She had been so aroused, waiting for him the whole afternoon, thinking about what he would do to her. She could feel her blood going to her clit. She could feel her labia getting full and her pussy getting moist. Jay fingering her had her pussy dripping with juice. She was holding her firmly, with his hands on her throat, almost choking her and still kissing her with a passion. You make me an animal, Jay told her as he lifted her off the floor with his strong arms, her wet hands full of soap, reaching to hold herself. He laid her down on the couch and ripped her thong off in such a way that his hard cock began to penetrate her. Hmm. God, it felt so good. Feeling his cock inside her, reaching so deep inside her, her pussy was on fire. She was gasping for air as the clit was full of blood and her juice was dripping on the couch. Jay was holding her arms up, holding them tied together with one of his hands, while the other was grasping her breasts, her nipples, squeezing them so hard. As she was sitting holding her firmly, Jay started sucking on her breasts, trying to swallow them whole. Licking her nipples and sucking them was driving her insane. Feeling his hard cock going back and forth inside her, she tried to orgasm, feel an orgasm mounting, and she could not resist it. I want to come. Not yet, he said, as he kept pounding her harder. And harder. The couch was moving on the floor as he was pushing on his legs so hard as he could reach deep inside her. He was pulling her legs and now thrusting his cock inside her, impaling her. The sight of her full breast rocking back and forth was making him crazy. 
She began to scream and beg, pleading. Yes, baby, you can come. And H came right away, her juices gushing all over him, feeling so good. And then she felt it, him coming inside her. His warm cum was all the way inside her. He was moaning on top of her as he touched her hair gently. He pushed her away affectionately on the couch so they could cuddle with her. Jay embraced her with his strong arms, making sure that she wouldn't get cold. They cuddled for a while, resting. H liked the feeling of his breath on her, feeling the heartbeat slowing down. Jay was kissing her neck, her ears. Her dark skin was so soft, her smile so calming. Jay was a little bit more started. Jay was a little bit more started kissing her breasts, her nipples. He loved sucking on her tender nipples. He could feel them getting harder under his tongue. He grabbed her breast with his hands, and he started to kiss down her toned abs. He kneeled down on the floor next to the couch, and his tongue was some was soon reaching her clit. He started to kiss it, his tongue teasing it, licking her all around and then sucking it a little. His tongue felt so good, like he was using a magic wand vibrator when he was away, but there was nothing better than his warm, wet tongue on her clit. Opening her labia with it, Jay was slowly warming her clit up, biting it gently. She moaned. It was so arousing. As Jay was thrusting his tongue inside her forcefully, she felt a huge wave of pleasure coming. Don't stop, she whispered. Slowly, in a soft voice, she pushed his head down on her, positioning it in her best spot. And she pushed a little further. Yes, yes, is all she said as his tongue began to creep over. She came, and it overwhelmed her. She felt three, three. Jay felt her juices flowing. She pushed him away as he looked at her, happy he could satisfy her. He could see her eyes closing, the face still showing pleasure she just had. Feeling her juices flowing made him even harder. He wanted her so much. He turned her around, and she still had her eyes half closed when he penetrated her from behind. She moaned. Her wet pussy was so fucking good. She was panting. He pulled on her braids as her back was arched while she was pounding her from behind. She was on all fours and the couch, and he could reach her deep inside, standing beside her, looking at her ass as his cock going in and out of her pussy while making him so hard. She had such a great ass. You know how to get all the guys to want to fuck you, Jay said. Your fucking ass, your breasts, you make the guy so hard. You know that, don't you? He said. But I'm the only one making you come, baby. He said, as he thrust his cock hard inside her. Only you, she agreed. And then she felt his come inside her again. They fell on top of each other, exhausted. They were both satisfied. She was falling asleep. As he was watching her, he smiled at her and pulled a blanket on her. Uh, Washing Dishes by Mr. Moo.
Mr. Moo, all one word. M-R-M-O-O. Uh-oh. I thought that was smut. But it's not. But this is... Okay. Guys, I thought there was more smut. Oh, no. All right, I think this might be it. Because this one's short. I'm so sorry. <sighs> Wet lips brushed the side of my head, drawing me out of my sleep. I recognized the soft feel of them, their gentle touch. Daddy was home. How are you, baby girl? I smiled and snuggled back into my pillow, not quite ready to give up on the peaceful sleep I had been in. Good, I said. The heavy bedsheet on top of me lifted and pulled back, exposing my shoulder to the afternoon chill. Good. Daddy's voice was thicker than usual, rough and gravelly. More of the blanket came off, revealing my breast and the dip of my waist. I missed you. I missed you, too. My hip was uncovered now. What are you doing? Daddy's hot breath rolled over my skin. I told you. He spoke right into my flesh. I missed you. Stop it, Daddy. I tried to put some frustration in my voice, but it just came out playful. Darn it. I wasn't ready for day to come home yet. I just woke up. I was still sleepy. I hadn't showered. In another hour, I'd be all ready. But right now, I just wanted to go back to sleep. A frustrated groan rumbled over my skin. It's been seven days, baby girl. Seven days since I last tasted that sweet pussy. He moved up my body, planting a trail of kisses along my side, my breast, my shoulder, my neck, until he whispered directly in my ear, Seven long days since you've had my gum inside you. I squeezed my thighs against my now very awake clit. Despite my current sleepy state, I thought of him inside me. It sounded so good. I wanted it to give in to him, let him feel me, fill me, fuck me. I just didn't want to get up, and he did it. Later, I said. I cracked an eye over my shoulder, taking in the massive body hovering over me. He was still dressed for work, in charcoal slacks and a white button-down shirt. The top buttons were undone, letting his black chest hair peek out. He must have gotten out of his late meeting and come straight home. Came straight home sporting a massive erection. The familiar outing of his bulge told me that Daddy was just as excited 
as I was. I'm not waiting until later, baby girl. He undid his belt and pants, letting his stiff cock free. His eyes roamed over me while he squeezed the base, turning the angry flesh even darker, darker shade of red. I've waited too fucking long already. Slowly, he began pumping himself in long, firm, controlled strokes. My heart pounded at the sight. This strong, stubborn man brought to a frenzied need just by my body. I lay still, letting him worship me with his dick, letting him, letting myself be whatever he needed to be. It didn't matter that I was curvy. To this man, I was in the same category as Playboy bunnies and 18-year-old porn stars, a beautiful body that he could pleasure himself to. They added bonus that, once he finished, I would be coated in his hot, thick, sticky cum. Pick your hands up, baby girl. He groaned. Daddy needs to see your pretty little pink pussy if he's going to finish. I wiggled my butt at him, teasing him with the reveal. I was enjoying the show, even if that's what he needed to finish. Well, I wasn't quite ready to give him what he wanted. Jessica! He barked out. On cue, my hips raised, exposing my dripping pussy to the cold air. Jesus, baby girl, you're fucking soaked. The rhythm of his strokes picked up. Do you like it when Daddy jerks off to you? I hummed my agreement. Daddy answered with a sharp slap on my backside. Use your words, baby girl. Do you like it when Daddy watches you and he jerks off his cock? Yes, Daddy. Good girl. Do you like it when Daddy uses your cunt? For lube? His cock notched inside my slit, sliding up and down, spreading my wet pussy apart. I moaned as he dragged his length over my clit. Every stroke, every expert, well-practiced stroke drove my desire higher. My inside ached for him. I needed him inside me just as badly as he needed to be inside. Fuck this, he exhaled. I can't do this, baby girl. In answer to my prayer, his head spit, split to the entrance. And before I could think a thought of protest, his cock drove into me. Again and again, he pounded into me with hard, commanding movements. My body rocked forward with every single thrust. His balls slapped my clit. He fucked me like he was going to be masturbating. Hard, slow, with little regard for my own pleasure. I loved it. I laid my head down on the bed, giving myself up to Daddy, allowing myself to be what he needed. And right now, in his frenzied state, all he needed was a receptacle, a warm place to dump his cum. That place was me. 
Daddy's cock thickened inside me, and his thrust grew more and more frantic. He didn't say a word, no warning of what was about to come, no slowing himself down to take care of me. His fingers dug into my hips as he pulled me backwards onto his cock as far as I could go, and came, and even sighed me. Daddy's roar filled the room as he pulsed, filling my womb with his hot fucking seed. Finally finished, he pulled out, zipped his pants back up. No kiss or touch or sign of affection. That wasn't what this was. My chest swells with pride that I could help my daddy so much that he chose me instead of wasting his time on a hand or tissue. I fell onto the bed, come trickling down my thighs. Be ready for tonight, he said. I'm not done with you yet. And then he left the room. My Daddy Used Me by user Super Tiger Roundhouse. Well, I would definitely read more smut if there was more smut to read, but you guys got to come out and you got to request it. We did pretty good for a birthday show. I was here talking for an hour before that. So I think we did pretty great. One last time. Here's how you can give me a birthday. You got the extra cash? Don't dip into savings or nothing. But yeah, there's the tip jar. One more time at the end of the show. You can hear it, especially if you're not here live. The live girls, oh, they already get to feel how sexy I am and see me do it all. You, you're at home. So I know it's hard to get you to click that link. There it is. It's birthday money for a birthday stream for a birthday boy. If you just don't have the funds or you really want to help me out and get the project to the next level, just help me with the robots. Follow the links. Click on the buttons, the engagement. I don't want to say it every time. If I have to say it every time or if I have to make something that we play at the end of it every time and then add that to every file, ugh, that's just not me. So this is me really asking. Not every time, not every day, not begging you. Just you see it? You like the content? Hit the engagement metrics. You know what they are on the site. You're on that site. You know what the site likes better than I do. It really does help me out. That would be your birthday present to me. To every single person who helped me celebrate, who comes out to the movie, uh, donates to the podcast, all the rest of it. Thank you from all the ladies of the night. It's uh, a bit wild. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful to be the Grey Knight. If I did not have you, I would be miserable. If I did not have this right now, I would be miserable and worse off. I know, because I had a life without you. I don't ever really want to go back, I don't think. Thank you very, 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 very much. Happy birthday to me. Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Thank you for all the lovely things you've been saying about my voice, my body, my attitude, my efforts in 2020. Thank you. Thank you. That's the show. That's the show. 15 seconds.